is that if someone is spending 70, 70% of their time doing what they prefer doing, they have an increased chance of success by 300 to 400%. You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hello and welcome back to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. I'm your host, Jackie Koch, and today we are digging into a really fun topic, one that I get asked about all the time. I would, I think every single CEO I've worked for, every single company I've worked for has asked me this, and it's, it's definitely a topic I get asked about a lot. And gratefully, I have a guest here to jam out about it who is more of an expert in this topic than me. So today I'm talking to Adrian Kaler. Adrian is a leadership engagement expert and senior partner at the executive coaching firm, Take New Ground. He coaches executives and entrepreneurs in the art and science of leadership for themselves, their teams, and clients to create new, unprecedented results and experience fulfillment in their work. Today, we top, we dig into the topic of personality assessments, how to use them, best practices on using them, what they're not good for, and we dive into one of Adrian's favorite. Um, and I've actually been able to experience this assessment through working with some of my clients who also happen to be his clients, and that's how we met. So really excited for you to listen in on our convo. Adrian, welcome to the show. I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm very excited to be here, Jackie. I already feel like I know you so well because we have so many like similar connections and two of my clients work with you and your team that I feel like I already know you, but it's, it'll be really fun to jam out on some of this stuff together and actually meet um, yes. face-to-face face to face, sort of. Yeah, very. it's very fun and kind of rare in my world that I actually get to know someone that is serving my client and we know the same people. We obviously know them distinctly, but I can hear about you from them and... Anyway, very yeah, fun. It's been super fun. Such a small world for sure. Um, well, I'm really excited to unpack some of the the stuff and the work that you do with founders and listeners. To, listeners to the show are going to, you're in for a treat because you're going to get some nuggets on so many things regarding leadership and all of, all of, all of the things. So Let's start out with, I always love a good founder story. Um, you run a business with somebody, with a, I believe a, a business partner um, called Take New Ground. Can you just walk me through how this came to be and, and how you, you guys started this business? Yeah. I'll, and I'll try to do a brief version of the story. I can be long-winded, my wife says. Um, how did we start this business? So... We, I've been in leadership work for a long time. It's been very different uh, domains, um, but always around requiring leadership and always wanted to do that. I've, I've always felt most alive when I'm leading or opportunities to lead or, you know, like situations like that. And I was an old, I was an ICU nurse a long time ago, pediatric intensive care nurse. That's how I started in college, which is a weird long story. And I did that for a while. And then I actually was a pastor for many years, which is really weird for really? a lot of people. That's I would, so, yeah, so interesting. For multiple okay. years. Yeah, I have a master's in theology. Watch out. We, we, I mean, that makes sense. That's why you're long-winded. Just that's kidding. That's why I'm long-winded. I've got, <laughs> you know what? There's a, I was just talking with a client who's a world-class engineer. He was saying something's good. And he said, 
it's not the right word that this thing is good. And he's been going through a hard time. And he's like, this, it's not like this, like that's not the right word. I said, well, did you know that the Hebrew word for good actually means full of potential? And he's like, that's what I mean. It's full of potential. So anyway, from time to time, it this, comes in it, handy. It, it comes in handy. So anyway, I did that for a while, but I was always an activist guy. Like I, I worked in the streets and I would build leadership teams and mobilize volunteers all across the city. I live in Los Angeles and then globally, I would take teams overseas and do that kind of stuff. And anyway, people in action making a difference was always what mattered to me. And out of that helped a guy that wanted to give a lot of money away. And I ran a foundation and that's how I met my business partner is that this guy wanted to go do some work. He didn't know what he wanted to do. And I took him around the world and I was well networked in the, if you want to make a difference, I know a bunch of people that do that and I can connect you and blah, blah, blah. And that was always very joyous for me to get to do that and fun um, and impactful and all that. But anyway, through that, I met this guy named Dan Takini and immediately loved Dan. Dan, my business partner, um, is like if Mother Teresa and Yoda and Tony Soprano had a baby, that's Dan Takini. So very loving very spiritually minded, very wise, mysterious, philosophical, can quote Kierkegaard to you all day long. And then also Tony Soprano, like I will take a baseball bat to your knees if necessary. You know, he's got an edge to him and he's got plenty of dark side that we that we both share about our dark sides quite freely. So anyway, he was an interesting cat and we ended up for the foundation started to work in, in the prison system. And he'd been doing, you know, consulting work you know, for decades already and been doing gang intervention work on the side like you do. And then I met him and I thought, oh, we're going to go work in prisons. I don't know what to do, but I know we want to do this work. Let's go figure it out. Long story short, we did leadership transformation trainings in prison with murderers. So through that, um, I learned a lot. And I, I went to all Dan's trainings, um, one of which is coming up called the Revenant Process. Uh, I went to that 12 ish or plus years ago and just fell in love with this transformational style of approach because I'd been in leadership stuff, but not this, this was very distinct. This was deeper. This was faster. This was much more illuminating, much more freeing than kind of the, let me teach you five steps on leadership type stuff. Um, than the John Maxwell or whatever you want to learn, like, you know, that kind of like Peter Drucker stuff. This was deeper. And I liked it. I liked the deep end. Anyway, long story short, I got trained on how to be a coach and I jumped out and started coaching. I left the foundation at some stage, started coaching people. Dan and I stayed connected. And then when the time was right, um, after I'd gone through some of my own personal transformation that was needed, I was, I was a mess and I ended up in my marriage in a really dark spot, which showed up in tons of dark behavior, like drinking like a fish you know, and woman in the, and being unfaithful, like the whole thing, it was, it was all real, like deep despair. I was in a very tough spot, finally asked for help, got myself some help. Dan was right there next to me. And, and you, everybody that's listening probably knows if you've been through any kind of suffering, those who have suffered well, get really close. And Dan and I got really close during that time, trying to reinvent my life and reconcile and all the things that you must do. And once you, once you've kind of crashed your life and through that, we were reminded about our camaraderie and our love work together and our really um, inseparable nature around what matters most to us. And he's, he's 67, I'm 42. Right. So it's kind of a interesting gener generational gap there. Um, but we um, started working together and loved it. 
and we uh, naturally uh, started going after who we love working with the most, which is entrepreneurs. Maybe just because we're both kind of crazy people. We love, I, I'm crazy. I've, you know, I, I wake up bothered in the world. I wake up frustrated. I wake up excited. I wake up wanting to make, you know, it's kind of like, um, I call it the everything thought. I just want it all right now. Can we do just all of it right now? And uh, entrepreneurs are like that. Founders are like that, where they're just kind of frustrated and, and you know, furious to get something good to happen. And they t tend to take lots of ownership and want the ball and at least want to want to work with other people. That's a very complicated environment when you start sharing responsibility and letting other people take care of your business and all those dynamics. And um, so we love working with that. So that's uh, that's how we got started is we started working together and I, I had grown a business and needed his help. He loves helping and he's an expert. He's like the probably the best in the world at leadership training, the types of trainings we do anyway, um, which we will be doing coming up in April together. So anyway, it's a, it's a really fun thing. Yeah. That's awesome. I did not, thank you for that, that I did not know any of that backstory. So that explains a lot. And, and I also think it's just so freeing to see somebody like you can make so many pivots, right? It's like for a lot of people listening, you know, you're doing one thing and you might be like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this or, you know, and just knowing that people can reinvent themselves in entirely different career fields from what they went to school for and through their own development is just like super refreshing. So thank you for yeah. sharing that. Well, no problem. I used to not share it. When I first got started coaching, I was like scared to death. People would ask me how I got into this. And I would like, you know, come up with some very vanilla story about it. And and then it wasn't until a client who's ended up becoming one of our most uh, multiplying type client. I don't know the right word for them. Like he's brought even just this last week, he brought me a brand new client. He's brought me hundreds of conversations for sure over the last five years. And um, he said to me, he said, oh, you, your diverse background is what got me. That's actually what was interesting to me, that you've lived lots of lives and have expertise and experience and passion for even the stuff you don't do anymore. You're still passionate about it because I am. And I, it wasn't, I, I got some relief when I realized there is a through line here. It's not random. Like being with people in the most crucial conversations of their life, that's what I love doing, period. And if it was at the bedside when a kid's dying or, you know, at pastorally and you're talking about you know, theological questions or how to make my life work or how to put something back together or who the hell am I and how do I know and what does that matter into working with guys getting out of prison um, or to doing all the stuff now when people are highly leveraged and they've got pressure beyond what they they think they can handle and they're really smart and still their strategy is not working and their, their marriage is falling apart because they're married to their business. Anyway, these types of crises, I just love being with people in crisis, which makes me very weird. But I kind of it. the same way. I, I like working with the, the, the crazy startups and, and entrepreneurs for sure. And entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart, like not at all, um, which we could have a whole conversation on for sure. And we should because it's it's a marathon, not a sprint for sure. But one thing that I really wanted to dive into you with you today that in a topic that I get asked about so much is about using assessments in the interview process to make good hiring decisions and bring good people onto the team. 
Now I know because some of my clients are also your clients and we're, we're working together in, in some ways that that is one aspect that you support with. That is not at all. And I don't want to like, like niche down your business to being, this is what it is. Cause it's so much more than this, but this is a component. And it's a question I get asked all the time. And I'm not an expert in, if I'm being completely honest, you know, so many entrepreneurs like expect there to be this magic wand that an, somebody can take this assessment and you know for sure if it's going to work out or not. And obviously that doesn't happen because they're humans and there's so many things that go into that. And I have strong opinions on this, but I would love to get your opinion and your take on using assessments like personality assessments or character assessments um, as a basis for making hiring decisions. Like what is your take on that um, for, for the folks listening? Yeah. Um, I love this topic. It comes up a lot in our work and I've been around, I was just thinking the other day, I mean, when I was a freshman at college, I took a whole freshman seminar on personality assessments and I, so I'm a sucker for these things and I'm a nerd about it. And I am, maybe it's just because I've been like philosophically wired or psychologically wired and you know, all that stuff's interesting to me. And I'm kind of always troubled. Like, I, you know, I, even when I woke up into the world, like as an adolescent, like how do these things work and who am I and how, who are you and who, what do we talk about at dinner? Anyway, all these types of like human existence type questions I've always really wondered about and want to know about and want to know how to navigate it. So anyway, I've been interested in these topics for a long time. And even back in, in yester careers, you know, we were, when I worked at, at Mosaic was the name of the church, we would train, we were early in the Gallup Strings Finder move because one of the guys yeah one of the one of the guys named chip anderson who was in the beginning of at gallup at the beginning he wrote the book on using the strengths finder in education he was an elder there so anyway we were a test case so we would teach strengths finder like to hundreds and hundreds and i mean thousands what are your top five strengths on that do you remember i do relator command ideation input competition interesting Interesting. 10 of my top strengths are all in the influencing category. <laughs> yeah, that that's, watch out, guys. When I you know. get near Jackie, she's going to move you somewhere. <laughs> Somehow, some way. I find strengths finders so interesting. But anyways, I didn't mean it to is. derail you. No, it's okay. Let, let, let me get to some principles here. So maybe start with like what using personality assessments are bad for. So first off, we're all, we're human beings and we love shortcuts. And we love to avoid pain. We love to avoid trouble. Um, we love to generate predictability, which is actually like number one for your brain. It's looking for predictability, period, in, in life. Like, where is that knife? Where's the, the, the spoon in the drawer? Um, what's my wife or husband like? Or what's my whatever? Like, we're always ho hoping for predictability, which saves us energy and helps us survive. That's like gravity for human beings. And so sometimes people, when they think that we're going to put this person through an assessment and that's going to tell me the future. And I don't know, I, that's a pretty, it's a pretty, oh, superficial way of doing it. Um, and an accurate way of doing it. Um, unless you think, I mean, there's, there's a couple schools of thought here. One is if you believe Sigmund Freud, that's a pretty good idea. You know, Freud, I think cursed humanity when he decided that we are our past. So that's an etiological view, they would call it, right? I am the effect. My history and my experience is the cause. And we say anecdotal stuff like that all the time, like we are the sum of our, all of our choices. I don't know. Is that true, really? I mean, 
hopefully not because you maybe made some bad choices. And if all your bad choices are your future, then go ahead and end it now. So we actually don't want Freud to be right, but we act like he's right. And when it comes to assessments, we actually approach it from a Freudian view, like that people are a certain way. And it's a static view of humanity. Now, none of us want to be treated that way, but we treat other people that way a lot of times. I'm so using this in my conversations with founders, by the way. Um, keep, this is amazing. Okay. And it makes yeah, sense. So, you know, we're really committed to a dynamic view of humanity because I think it's more honest. Definitely there's more life there. Is that who is Adrian? Well, I am what I'm choosing. I am what I'm committed to. I am what I'm becoming. Like, period. And isn't that better news? Like, I am my future. That's Adler, by the way, instead of Freud. Compatriots, same era. Freud got all the ink because it works with this very victimized view of the world. Adler, much more alive, much more, it's a teleological, for the nerds out there, view of humanity. Like, I am my purpose. I am my commitments. And we know we want that to be true. It's just if we believe that, then human beings are, are not predictable. Because I can always make a choice. I could, you could really trust me and I'm a nice guy to you. And all of a sudden on a Tuesday, I'm a jerk. And now I'm out of nowhere. Like, that's not who we, we say things like, that's not who Adrian is, quote unquote. But Adrian can make choices all the time. Anybody can do that. So anyway, I don't want to get too caught in the philosophy. All this is, I think, essential and interesting, to, at least to me. Anyway, if you're going to, first off, I check myself. Am I looking for the the legend or like the key in the corner of who this person is? If so, um, you're going to really hinder possibilities in conversation. So I, I think it's wonderful to get more data. When any Anytime we take an assessment, what it is, if you're like on the other side, maybe I'll speak to it if I'm a founder and I'm thinking about doing this in my, all I'm doing is I'm seeing how this person talks about themselves. That's all I'm seeing. We don't know what's true. We just know what they believe about themselves. And that's valuable because it's like a look behind the curtain at, oh, here's, here's Toby. Here's, here's what Toby thinks he does. Or here's what Toby thinks his strengths are or his weaknesses are. Here's what, you know, here's what he says about himself. Now, part of that is probably going to be self-flattering because humans can't, we can't stop ourselves from trying to look like our best version of ourselves. That's normal and natural. And that's part of it, especially when you're interviewing people. But what I'm, what I'm always listening for when I use a very specific assessment, we'll get into which one I, I don't use any of them except for one. And that's on purpose. And we can get into that if we want, um, is I want to hear how that person relates to the data. Not if the data is true or not necessarily, how they relate to the data. Because there are all it is is the story of who they are and what they want and what they don't want and all that. And I want to hear how flexible they are. And that reviews their mindset when it comes to themselves in, in current time. And it reveals their mindset and what they think is possible for them. So I want to bring up things in light of what their conversation is about themselves. And I want to hold that next to what the promises of the position are. We call that a job description. What the promises of the position are and where do these things line up and where do they not line up? And then how do we talk about them not lining up? Is it a, oh, shucks, that's not who I am? Or is it, oh, this is this and, and I don't, you know, maybe I don't know if I can do this thing or not. It sounds like there's like two things at play. Like, well, maybe just one is you can have somebody take the assessment and then there's the results, Right. But what's most important is your ability to utilize those results in a conversation and all of the people I work with, well, one, I know one person and that's because she's working with you, 
knows how to do that well. They just want to look at a report and make a quick decision and not actually become good at using the data. So it's almost pointless to yes. even do it. Well, yeah, it's, it, it is pointless, kind of. I mean, I think the point is, is that people want a shortcut. That's like, I think my main point here is if you're looking for an easy, a way to avoid vital conversations, then don't stop, stop doing that. <laughs> Um, if it's like a shortcut in order to avoid the tough conversations, if you're hiring somebody, you want to have all the tough, quote unquote, tough, they don't have to be tough at all, but the tough conversations up front, let's talk about it. Like, where might we not get along? You know, how are you versus how I am? And how's that going to work? How do we think that? Or here's what I notice about you that kind of gives me a little, uh, makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I want to be comfortable with you. And I also don't want to like avoid you. You know, and but you're a talented person, and there's an aspect of you attitudinally that um, that I find I I'm experiencing some internal resistance towards. That's me being all diplomatic about it. But you know that like, and I and I want to I want to buddy up to that, and I don't you know. So um, yeah, it's it ought to make you ask the right questions in the interview, not avoid the interview. Or not even even the same thing would be like to just assume they're fine because they are you know eighty five percent you know um, qualified for the whatever the, the assessment says this and so oh they're they are a um, you know they want a good challenge so they're gonna like wanting a challenge well it's good to go ask a question about that so you know it's uh, to my little the thing I say often is that you know assessments are really dangerous because they can become weapons, especially when utilized internally. Like if there's something I don't like about Jackie and now she takes the assessment and I find out that, oh, you know, she has all these impacting themes and that's now, oh, now I have language for why I don't like Jackie. Now I know what it is. I'll use this word now. Yeah. It's just another, it's just another label. label. Yeah. It is really interesting to, and that's part of your work with, with clients is like helping them figure out and work through these to become better leaders. So it's not just, there's just a lot of, there's a lot that goes into to the leadership thing. And, and obviously if you're listening to the show, you want to become a better leader, right? And, and it is, it's a commitment. It's a, a lifelong commitment to being a better leader and it's not just a quick fix yeah. for sure. Can I say, can I say something real quick? Of course. There's so many things that are in my mind because this is a, such a vital conversation. Let me say two things real quick. One is we all have aspects of ourselves that we're not, that we don't like, right? Or there's, there's deficits that I feel in myself that I wish weren't so. And, you know, and I don't know, people listening, you probably have those things about yourself as well. And part of the work is really to learn how to befriend the aspects of myself that I am not that proud of, or that I wish were stronger. Like I can befriend it. And then it's not a problem for me. Meaning like, if like, I'm not that detail oriented. And I, I don't like details that much. I need them. In certain situations, I'm extremely detail-oriented. But 90% of the time, I don't care about the details. I really don't. And, and sometimes that hurts me. Most of the time, it doesn't. Um, or like I'm not that administrative, period. And I don't like being that administrative. And I can nerd out and get really you know granular, but I just don't like it. And I, that's not a problem for me anymore. But I know that if when I hire an assistant or hire an accountant, I... I I'm unapologetic about, hey, I don't like this work. I, I'm trust. I'm expecting you to be really perfect at it. And I know you're not going to be perfect, but that is the bar. 
I do want you to be really rigorous and do this well so that I don't have to get involved. And here's what I need from you so that I can not spend my time doing what I don't prefer doing. I can spend all my time doing what I'm really good at and what I prefer doing and things that have make me feel great. And so I can, part of this work is to integrate in, have language for what doesn't give me energy, have language for that, the things that I'm not good at, nor do I want to be good at. And then it's freedom. So I can focus on what I do want to work on. And, and hopefully, since I run my company, nobody really gets a vote about that. But if I'm working at a company and I ought to like feel the freedom to go focus on what I'm great at, you know, and I mean, that was, that was one of the thoughts. There was a second thought that was really, oh, anyway, I'll come back if it's important. Well, I have a question. One thing that often is brought up with personality or with any sort of assessment in the hiring, I mean, I would say in a lot of different, whenever you use the assessment, so a lot of people will use them in hiring, they'll use them in development, they'll use them in different aspects of the employee life cycle. But one thing that's brought up a lot is um, that they can be discriminatory or have bias. Do you, do you know much about that? Or, and can you speak to any of that if you do? Well, I don't know. Let's see. If you mean, do I understand how the assessments themselves are made and if they have bias? I don't know enough statistics about that. What I do know is we're human beings and we all have bias and we don't have a vote on that. Like that's just the, the, you know, we're all going to, we just, that's the way the brain works. The brain isn't collecting data and coming to a sound decision. The brain is naturally having a conclusion and looking for data to support it. That's just how the, it's not, it's, it doesn't work the way we think or wish it would or, or describe it to kind of give ourselves some cover. No, we've got biases. We've got views on what, the way we think the world works or it ought to work that way. And we go out and try to prove ourselves right. Our brain's doing that all the time. Um, so yeah, there's tons of biases. And so like. I suppose bias could show up when you're taking the does. assessment as a person taking it. And then also the, the, the back end. There's like double bias, right? And then the person reviewing the results. So it's hundred percent. So that's why the person, you know, reviewing it ought to be clear. And I'm, I'm clear about what my biases are. At least I think I am. And, you know, I'm very action oriented. I'm grit based. Like I want to see how honest somebody is. Um, and that's really, I'm, you know, we're unapologetic in how we approach our work. You know, our work's really around courage and around ownership and authenticity and, and somebody being willing to vocalize and be honest about the, the, the tensions in life and in leadership because it's full of them. So anybody that's like coming at me like kind of rose-colored glasses, like everything works out all the time, I'm like, I don't trust that person at all because that's, of course, not how reality is. And so they're either out of touch or they're trying to sell me, and neither one of those work for me. Um, you know, so I, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty connected to what my biases are, and I'll communicate that way. You know, when I'm interviewing somebody or when I'm like doing a review for a client – I'll say, hey, I really connected with this guy or I didn't connect with him early. And I know that's going to, that affected my conversation, but here's really where he was honest. Here's where I thought he was dishonest. Here's the conversations I asked him about it. Um, and, you know, so I, yes, the bias happens on both sides. The interesting, so I don't want to understate the importance. I don't want to overdo it either, but the, the, where you land on how you think human beings work, if you think we are a product uh, of our history, or if you think we are a product of our commitments in the future, that's really going to affect everything. You know, so that's why, you know, when it comes to personality tests, there's lots of them and they're very interesting. Um, my experience of them is that they're not that helpful. Like they're interesting, but not helpful, meaning you can't, there's not a lot of natural follow up 
to it. Like even when I t- I've taught Myers-Briggs for decades, I taught strings finders for decades. It's fun. And I can tell a million jokes and everybody's having a ball and doing high fives and doing their little chants and cheers about, you know, the, the introverts are a little quieter in the corner and they're like, you know, snob- snobby about all these crazy extroverts. And the extroverts are like, oh, let's have a party or whatever. Everybody's doing their own thing. But how do you translate that into performance on the ground? There's no tie scientifically between personality and performance. There's no tie around results. It's, it's all that's really about how somebody's going to get it done. There's, that's why there's one assessment we use. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, I was really skeptical when Callie told me that she was implementing. I was like, oh, great. Here we go. Another assessment. <laughs> I was like, I literally think I rolled my eyes. Um, and, and then it's been obviously very different, a very different experience. And so I, I would love for you to share. Um, I know you were going to, I don't mean to cut you off, but I had to tell you the eye roll happened. Um, and now I really love it. Um, so yes, please share with listeners the assessment tool that you, that you guys use with your team and with the, work yeah, well, we got introduced to this assessment because my business partner, Dan was speaking at a conference and his talk was about paradoxes, the paradoxes of leadership. And there's, there's a, there was one of these kind of I don't know, summit type things. And he was speaking at the thing. And then there was a, a woman at a booth. Her name is Pamela. And she said, hey, I heard you talk about paradoxes. Have you seen this assessment? And he hadn't seen it before. And there's two main theories in this assessment. And the second one is about paradoxical leadership. So it really fit right into at least what, you know, I, I was going to say we know to be true. Definitely lived experience is that life is full of these kind of polar opposites that we live in these tensions all the time, both internally as any human being, and then on team life for sure. And the, the, the less language we have for the tension, the worse the tension is. The more language we have for it, the more we can, we can manage the tension much clearer because we know where we are. Like, oh, this is what's happening. I'm in a tension between me being persistent, like, and, you know, remaining tenacious despite encountering obstacles and being experimenting. And if we do both of those, like hold on tight, you know, work something over, make it work, try our best to make it work despite the difficulties. And we're up for trying new things. That's called inventiveness. We're doing both. So this assessment is called the Harrison assessment. Not very well used, not very broadly used, I should say, in the US. There's only like 150 of us, like the consultants that have access to the licensing. And we fell in love with it right away. And here's a couple distinctions about it that why we like it. First off, it's not you, it's not gauging you versus humanity like every other assessment out there, like nearly every other assessment. Like if you take Myers Briggs, just you versus humans. Um, and it's not this either or dynamic, you're either this or that. That's, that's pretty um, binding itself. Instead of realizing where you are in the midst of a continuum, which is where we all live anyway. And on a Tuesday, I'm here. And on Wednesday, I'm here. And that's how, you know, mood wise, that's how we are as humans. It, it, and it also gauges, what I, we think is the black box for hiring, which is not, I mean, obviously you have to have competency and competency is shown via experience and education and all these types of things that happens on a resume. Um, but beyond that, what they found is the black box is suitability. How much do they want to do the role? How much do they want to live in the tensions that are baked in the role? Well, how do you get language for that? That's what Harrison went out to 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 work on. And he called it the enjoyment performance theory, which is essentially, if I like doing something, 
I'm going to really naturally be engaged in it. And if I'm engaged in it and I get great results, I'm going to feel great. If I'm engaged and I get crappy results on a Wednesday, that's okay. You know why? Because I love this thing and I'm going to get good at it. And so like challenges, failures become learning moments for us and we learn and we integrate and we keep going again. And if I'm, that's the virtuous cycle of this enjoyment performance theory. And the other side, if I don't prefer it, I'm probably not going to be that engaged. And if I get good results and I'm not that engaged, I'm going to resent it. Like, shit, I hate doing this stuff. And she asked me to do it again. And why? Or if I, if I'm not that engaged and I get crappy results, I'm going to, I'm going to say, look, I told you I don't like doing this. Right. And that's the, the vicious cycle of it. What they found is here's the key point that really moved me is based on all their data is that if someone is spending 70, 70% of their time doing what they prefer doing, they have an increased chance of success by 300 to 400%. 70% doesn't seem that like that much I know. time. Like I would have thought it would be like 80%. Like you can spend 30% of your time doing shit you hate and That's still right. do a great job. Well, and the, beauty, the beautiful thing about it is if you get language for the 70, you can go find it pretty much every day. If you don't have language for it, then you're not going to know when you're even in it, right? You, you, you're not even prone to celebrate it naturally because that's just me or instead of like, oh, hold on. I like this kind of work. Like and this kind of work helps me come alive. And so I can do the crap work because I'm going to get back to the work I love very soon. And I've got language for it and I can, I can self-manage, self-lead, you know, and change my own perspective and change my own mood and get myself back in the game and then delegate appropriately as well. And with no shame about it, instead of us trying to be well-rounded people, no, no, be a very sharp person. It's the same philosophy as StrengthsFinder. It's just much more useful. Because StrengthsFinder is just five, and that's fun and interesting. And all those top five are definitely true for me. Um, but this, is, this has got 164 different characteristics or different traits. So, And it gauges somebody. So the other thing about it, too, is... Um, it gauges you against a job description. So it's not you versus everybody. It's actually your context against a CEO job description or a CFO or a chief marketing person or a senior sales manager. And you get to see them based on how they normed them. They went out and studied like they do high, medium and low performers. And so you'll see how their, how their, um, uh, their assessment gauges against the norm. And once again, none of this is bad news. It's just things to be aware of and knowing where you need to self-manage or ask for help or create workarounds. And so that, you know, you get to see it very specifically. So it's not just everybody's gauged the same way because that's not fair or even correct. It's been really interesting, the reports that we, you know, that we've seen with some of the the candidates that that we've worked on together to, to hire in. It's been super eye-opening and, and very interesting. And every candidate actually loves. Also, I think about the candidate experience too when I think about assessments because what happens to, you know, I, I'm from Minneapolis. I wanted to work at Target headquarters. I think I, like out of college, right? I applied for jobs probably, probably went through t- 10 different interview processes. Every time got declined at the assessment. And I was like, Man, I'm either really <laughs> dumb or really not a good culture fit. Like, you know, it made me feel crappy because I never got a copy of this assessment. I just literally got the decline email every time I took it. And I was like, I hate you guys, right? Um, and there's that, that happens a lot in these assessments. It's like you take it, you never get any idea as to what it is, like what your results are. Um, and I do, what I have found is when we send candidates a version of the report, it doesn't have to be the whole report. Even if they don't get the job, they feel like it was worth right their time. They've been invested. They've been, literally, they they've been invested something. in. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that does so much for your employee brand. It does like people that we've declined after they've taken this, they'll recommend it as a place to work or, you know, a place to at least buy from, um, because that's all tied together. Yeah. That's my experience as well. I mean, and I do this with lots of companies and especially it's fun for me or for us because we know the team really well and we know the team, you know, beyond job descriptions and stuff like we know them. And so I can actually in the assessment, if I'm talking to a potential candidate, I can, I can be, be channeling, um, and bring up examples around the leader, for example. And I can say, Oh, this is very, this is similar to this person, or this is very distinct from this person. Have you felt that already? Or are you feeling that? Or, and I can really, cause the point for us is to, is to enrich the conversation. So it's like, hey, let's put them through the Harrison assessment, and then I'll send you, I'll send you the report, I'll send you my thoughts and my experience of them, and here's like five or six questions you ought to be thinking about. Here's a definitely, do not pass them past the next interview without asking them about this. You need to get clear with them about this because this is a sticking point, and you need to know like how responsible they are with this sticking point, and it just enriches the conversation just to get the tough, quote unquote tough stuff up front, which if you want to have a thriving relationship, you better know how to talk about hard things and, you know, and generate some generosity in the convo about, you know, if you, I've got a client right now, just got off with him. One of his, he's building a senior team. He was, a um, he, he built Virgin Hyperloop. He was the head, the founder and engineer there, um, uh, C, founder, CTO, and then CEO of Hyperloop. So world-class engineer. And he's starting another company right now, which we're involved with. And I've been coaching him five or six years. And um, his tagline to people that are applying for these roles is, "If it, what is it? Oh, damn, I'm going to mess it up. Anyway, it's really kind of quippy. It's funny. It essentially just means if you think you're a baked cake, don't work here, which is essentially saying, hey, however you come in, great, but you're going to be churned over. Like, I'm going to ask you to transform so if you We're think you're done you growing, up. do not work here because I'll fire you eventually and I'll have paid you a lot of money for your resistance. So if you resist personal development and personal growth and reinvention, do not work here. And it's been such a gift for him because he can just lead with that. And he's working with like engineers, really smart or opt out. We're here to transform, opt period. I'm going to need to transform, boss man. I'm not done growing. If you think you're done growing, please hit the bricks because this ain't going to work. Yep. Well, you bring up a good point that like this work is best utilized no matter what assessment. I mean, you taught Myers-Briggs, you taught StrengthsFinder. So let's say listeners want to utilize one of those. It You get the best results when you have your whole team on board and you're using it across the whole team. You, It's a conversation. There's verbiage. There's common language. Like That's when you really get the best results. Um regardless of the one that you use. And that's what you got. I mean, your no, work fair. that you do is, is, is deeper than all of that. But um, I think that's one of, that of the gifts to the, to the person that's coming in because they've freshly learned some new language and which is you kind of out of nowhere for them. And then I'm, I'm helping to integrate with them. And then you're about to walk into this land and everybody's using the same language. So it gives them a view into and how to access conversations, how to talk about tension. There's not really tension about talking about tension. We just do that around here. We talk about the tensions. Like, and when we're communicating, uh, the communication paradox, there's 12 of these, is how frank, what's my preference on how frank I am? Like how direct and forthright and to the point? And then how diplomatic am I? Am I? Like how much do I use tact when communicating? That's a paradox. And 
we talk about that. And if you're long on being tactful and not that frank, you are evasive. Like there's things you don't say and you act nice about it, but you're really not that nice. You're just like, you know, saying things in a nice way. But uh, people that are honest are really, you know, I don't use the word nice that often, kind. If I'm kind, I'm going to say all the things that need to be said. But on the other side, if I'm really frank without being diplomatic, I'm really blunt. And that's hard to deal with as well. So it's, it gives language for, and then at, with senior leadership teams, we use this assessment ongoing to show like these cultural reports. We can lay assessments on top of each other and show group dynamics, like we show the cool thing about the Harrison as well in these paradoxes is the ideal is to be, to have preference for both ends of these paradoxes and then be able to be really versatile, right? So I can be frank when I need to, or I can be diplomatic when I need to, and whatever's needed for the moment, that's what I jump into. If we're imbalanced, like if I've, if, if somebody's really, let me think of another one, long on helping others and short on helping themselves or asserting for their own needs, that means they're really self-sacrificing. But except for when the stress goes up, they flip. And instead of being self-sacrificing, they're really dominant. Now, anytime I show somebody that on their assessment, I'll say, can you give me an example? Like, let's talk about this. Give me an example in the last couple of weeks where you just flipped because somebody was taking advantage of your kindness. And they're like, oh my gosh, it happened yesterday. You know? And so it shows where the team is at rest and it shows where they go under stress. And that's where life is, especially if you're running a company, it's very stressful and because they're pushing the pedal down. And so we ought to look at where we are in our, in our less flattering moments and talk about that and then talk about how we're going to talk about that because people flip out all the time. I do, you know, I'm not having a good day and I'm a little scratchy and you know, whatever. It's like, I, I, I want somebody to know how to engage with me when I'm not in a good spot and hit it and hit me with some compassion instead of judgment. Cause I need help. I'm usually just resistant to asking for help in those moments in time. So it gives language for how to navigate the, you know, the, um, what am I thinking of the, the raging waters around us? Like whenever we're, you know, having a hard time. And it also kind of gives permission too. It like it gives your your team members, if you've gone through this and you've committed that you got you want to work on this as a team, it helps them feel less nervous when you are the boss and someone has to call you out on something. They know that you've already given them permission. You might not like it in the moment, but you are more likely to reflect afterwards and be like, "Well, I told them they could do that. They're doing what we talked about." You know, I feel like it also like just gets rid of those barriers. Cause at the end of the day, people are afraid of you. You're the boss. You're how they make money. You're like you can be the nicest, kindest person, but there's still that power dynamic, no matter how you spin it. If you want to know people in a deep way, instead of just hiring a skill set, which is a pretty, you know, there's two different worlds there. Like a lot of times people hire just for relief. Like I need to get this person in just to give me some relief. And so I'm just essentially hiring someone as a tool to like, help me not have the experience I'm having. People don't say it this bluntly, but that's the way it is. Instead, no, no, I want actually, yes, I do want that skill set and I do want the relief. And there's a person over there that's got their own thoughts and interests and concerns and fears and desires and all that. And we're actually doing that in this workplace. We are getting to know each other better over time. We're going to trust each other more over time. We're going to be generous with each other more over time. And it's a practice. And so that level of like, self-awareness first because and then group awareness and then how does that actually how is it serving or how is it not serving the vision like it gives us language for problem solving 
because when any kind of breakdown, we can we can find what's missing in the conversation that's generating the action that's generating the results. And most of the time, any kind of breakdown in reality, like quantitative breakdown, it comes back to a conversation that's missing. And that's always very personal and very vulnerable. So creating a, a environment in which we're talking about how we're talking, which seems like I just did a thing on Instagram yesterday about it around soft skills versus what I call vital competencies. Like the soft skills aren't soft. They're actually where the courage is needed and they're vital. And, and we, be, we better become more and more competent at it, like as a practice. Because there's, there's quote unquote people, people out there, and then there's not. And if, if you set up that dynamic, then you give license to people that quote unquote aren't people, people, you just tell them, okay, that's fine. Just go be a, you know, go be a computer. No, 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 not here. We're in a human endeavor. And so we need to become better and be more committed to each other, be more committed to outcomes over time. Yep. Awesome. Well, as we start to kind of wrap up, curious, can you share with listeners, you know, you've talked about the Harrison assessment. What are the options for them to learn more or perhaps even start working with the Harrison assessment? Obviously, working with you is one of them, which share how to do that. Are there others or how does how how would one even try it out? Yes. Let's see. So I guess my real answer is I, if you don't come through us, there are people you can connect with, I'm sure. You can go to harrisonassessmentimsure.com or something like that. Um, and there are a handful of, there's lots of, like 150, as I was saying, different consultants out there, and you can, you can relate to them. They're an assessment company, and so they act that way, right? They're kind of, and they're, they've been around for a good while, so they're kind of baby boomerish, and, but they're really great and really great people. Um, we tend to, I've been to a handful of their meetings before. We stand out from that crowd uh, and just in what we, why we do what we do and how we do what we do. Um, we're really unapologetic about the human side of this thing. So I would suggest coming to us just at least, and, and if you don't want to work with us, that's great. Or if you don't want to, you just want to learn about it. That's awesome. We're, we're generous. We'll help you get connected. Um, but if anybody's interested in learning more about it, I'd love to have any conversation with somebody about it and talk more in depth and talk about what they need and how to access that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm tempted. I guess I just will offer. I mean, we, I'll let you see it. So if, if, if people are listening to this and have a company and are interested in doing it and want to test drive it, we can, I can give you out of my own pocket an assessment and you can take it and I can run your assessment and walk you through it. And if, if you're interested in that, maybe I had a, I'm, I'm listening to my business partner in my head right now, you know, maybe I'll cap it at 10 or something, but if you're interested in that and you want, you think you want to do it, just hit me up and we'll talk about it. We'll have a brief conversation about it. And if you want to do it, I'll, I'll let you test drive it. Um, and I'll, we can talk about your specific situation and such, but you could probably go online and go learn about our Google, the Harrison assessment. It's kind of nineties ish in their marketing about it. So don't be scared off by don't it. Don't be scared off you're by saying. it. Yeah. As if you, if you Google it and you're like, Oh gosh, like, don't be, don't be scared off. It's an old <laughs> brand. Um, but the, the, potential in the data is is vast and we love it and it just it's um it's really great even i mean to your point earlier when people come across it and utilize it even if they don't end up working at the company that we're you know representing or working with they um they love it and it's always enlightening i mean most people that are um are going after something 
have some deep sense that they want to keep getting smarter and having more language to talk about their own experience and talk about what they want. And even if they don't end up working at this company, they have better language for how to find their, their you know, the right fit. Um, so it's, uh, it's great. So if you, if you, if anybody's listening and is interested, just hit me up and I can connect you to my team and we could talk about it. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Um, I'm taking me and Molly are taking it. Um, we've been given orders to take the Harrison assessment. So we'll be chatting about that soon. Um, and then I know you have an event coming up. You mentioned it earlier. I also am coming to the event, but do you, are there tickets available or do you have more events coming up by the time this airs? We might be past that event. How often do you have events and where can people learn more about them? Yeah. So the majority of our work, probably 90% of our work is in-house with companies. We do, um, we love what we do. We think what we do, we know what we do can help a whole bunch of people. So we keep, we keep space and out of our joy, really, we do these public events, which we're alluding to. Um, There's a handful of these types of public events. Um, The one we're talking about now is called the Revenant Process, which is like a four day deep dive personal leadership accelerant. Um, it's really around making how to, how to approach life in such a way that you've integrated everything you need to integrate. You've forgiven yourself, relieved yourself, um, have a bunch of freedom from whatever you don't want to carry around anymore, and then how to leverage yourself for the future to make the impact you want to make. And it's four days. It's a deep experience in doing that. It's not a seminar where you're sitting and listening to me, um, you know, bore you to death. Uh, not that, that would necessarily happen. Maybe, maybe so, but it's not, it's, it's an experience just because, uh, revelations happen during an experience. Uh, insight happens when you're taking notes, but revelations happen like, holy shit. Wow. I didn't know that about myself. Right. You know, those kind of fresh experiences based on having language for something. So we do these, we're having one coming up in, you know, late April that you're coming to. Um, we, tend to put them on the calendar whenever we want. So we know we have one later in the year. There are, there's a lot of asks to do them more often. We're trying to, to, we don't make much money on these, to be honest, because we try to keep the cost really low so more people can come. And we want to also keep the room small enough that people don't feel like they're lost in the crowd. So it's around 40 people. I just, I was just told today, I think we're at 28 for this one. So we've got a little bit of room left in this one and we'll cap it. And um, we do those public trainings. We're putting together or revamping an old training we used to do called the negotiation lab because most of you know our tagline for it is life is not fair. It's just what you negotiate. And so helping business leaders up their influencing skills and negotiating skills and the art and the science of that. And we're going to do one of those um, in the summer. And then we have a leadership academy that anybody can come to. Um, that's a, it's a three month experience, one weekend a month for three months. That's called the intrepid. We've got one of those set up for the late summer as well. So, um, if you're interested in any of those things, you can go to takenewground.com and learn about those. Um, or you can hear us talk about it on our podcast, the naked leadership podcast. Um, or if you're interested in negotiating, we just put together like a free quiz for somebody to understand their negotiating style. That's negotiation.takenewground.com because all of our, we all have a style that's inherent to us and we can maneuver that and learn and, and shift and take on new things, but we better know because there's strengths to it and there's tons of blind spots to each style. So that's a free five minute thing you take and we send you a bunch of information afterwards. And if, if you're interested in that, you might want to come to the event, that kind of thing. That's negotiation.takenewground.com. 
Um, and we talked through all those styles. We just posted all of them on our Naked Leadership podcast. So that thing's called The Revenant. Um, we are revenant.com for that. It's a separate website. We are revenant.com. And it's, um, it's probably the most, our work with business leaders is naturally really holistic. Um, cause we're all human beings and we take ourselves and all of our beliefs and all of our challenges and all of our desires, all where we go anyway. Um, it's the most personal of our, of our trainings. Um, so great. I'm nervous and excited all at the same time. That's the right way to feel. <laughs> that's the right way to feel. It is. It's that way. It's not, it's not, it's not a place you can, you, you, everybody gets to choose their own adventure in the training. We invite people at in the front and in the front end, you know, I'll get up and probably write a chart. We'll talk about value. Like what value, why'd they come? Everybody gets a conversation with somebody on our team. Why are they coming? Like what's going on in their lives? Like what leap do they want to take? That's where the value is. And we invite them to utilize the space for four days to go make that happen for themselves and for the people. And so, you know, the, the chart would say maximum value equals full participation. And so you don't have to participate. That's great. But then your the potential for value goes down. And so, you know, and it's a four days of lots of feedback about around that. So awesome. it's going to be fun. Well, I'm really, I'm excited to jam out with you in person. And um, I'm so grateful that you took some time out of your day to, to share your wisdom with, with our listeners. So thank you so very much. Well, thank you. And thank uh, you for your support of our clients. I'm excited. And hopefully we get to work with many, many more clients in the future together. So just love you and your team. Love your, you know, your sincerity and your commitment to them. And we're, it's just fun to work together with you. So thank you. Thanks for your work. Of course. Honor to be awesome. here. Thank you. Well, listeners, make sure you go follow Adrian and sign up for one of the workshops. If you want to hear my experience from going to one, shoot me a DM because by the time you listen to this, I will have been a changed woman. Um, so <laughs> awesome. Feel free to reach out. Um, and thank you, listeners. We'll talk again soon. Speaking of the power of people, I'd be honored to read your written review of this show. If you enjoyed what you heard and have suggestions on how to make this show more impactful, please show your support by taking a few minutes to let me know what you think. See you next time.